Welcome back to No Beer Left Behind. It's me, Brian, here in North Texas, and I'm uh, joined this evening by Derek out in California. Derek, how are you doing, buddy? Um, I'm doing pretty good, man. Pretty good. Just just got done with a long day, so glad good. to be here. Good. Well, sometimes those long days uh, call for a, a nice cold one. So uh, what it is that you're drinking this evening? All right. Tonight, I've got... Uh, it is a, called Carnival, and it's a Brett Saison. Oh, from uh, the Lost, the Lost, Lost Abbey. Abbey. Yeah. yeah, and it's 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 pretty good. It's a you get a little bit of barnyard, but not, it's not like too overwhelming. And then you get you know, like your normal Saison character with a little bit of orange and um, spice aroma to it. So, and those phenolics that those that uh, those Saison beers kick off is just delightful. It's like yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's it's nice, and it's like eight eight percent alcohol too. Which oh is yeah, nice. It'll it'll get it'll get the job done. Uh, right. I've had I had Carnival actually with Frank and Villem in New Jersey. We're at this place called Barcade, and it is as the name sounds, it's a bar and an arcade. <laughs> and uh, like we sit down in there, and Villem is ordering like some local shit, and Frank is trying to tell me what the best porter is on the menu. <laughs> And I look up and I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Lost Abbey is on tap here. And they're like, I've never heard of it. I'm like, fuck off. I'm getting Carnival. And it was like $4 a pint. It's crazy. <laughs> I was like, shit, yeah. Like, we're getting that. And uh, it was just fucking beautiful because we don't get Lost Abbey here at all. Oh, really? Yeah, no, that shit doesn't come. It doesn't come to the fucking flyover states. They just. But it goes, it goes to New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Well. There's a lot of stuff that'll make its way to New York and New Jersey. I, I feel like I blame the mob, but you know, it's whatever. Uh, yeah, no, I, I loved that beer. It was fantastic. I've only had a handful of lost Abbey brews, uh, but all of them have been really, really good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think this is the first time I've, I've had it. I, I wanted to get something a little different than last time. Cause I was just, I had a boring beer description. So uh, you said lager. I said lager. Yeah, <laughs> that's a word. That's a that is a phrase that is used in beer. Lager. <laughs> no, dude. Uh, listen to enough enough of these episodes, and you'll understand that we um, we do good to talk in full sentences, um, <laughs> much less give deep, in depth descriptors like barnyard uh, when describing a beer. Uh, horse, horse blanket. Horse blanket. Yeah. Oh. Love that. Everybody looks at you like, what the fuck is going on? You're like, no, no, no. Taste it, and you'll understand exactly what horse blanket is. It's like a mixture of dust, straw, hay, and like maybe a little bit of must. And that's like that's barnyard. That's what you need to know. <laughs> it's like when people talk about funk, like, oh, I don't like I don't like funk as a descriptor. I'm like, I don't know how the fuck else you're gonna describe this beer, because it is funky. Like <laughs> funk is the best word to describe it. They need that on like the beer description. Will funk? Oh, funk it's I, I use it it's, all the time. You use it, yeah, because like when you get into, especially into some uh, blonde sour beers, like there's no other way to describe it other than funk, because there's nothing else there. Like there's no malt 
like f- no specialty like malts. Yeah, there's no specialty yeah. malts there to to play off of, and most of them aren't hopped because it'll kill whatever you know whatever whatever bugs they've used in the beer. So you just yeah, have yeah. Yeah, you just have the 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 funk in the beer, and that's it. You're like, well, it's funky. I'll fucking know, man. <laughs> like, so yeah, I think I think that uh, like if you're hitting IBUs above like 15, yeah, like you can hardly get lacto to to grow in your your, your beer. Yes, so. that is that is very true. Uh, lacto is what we like to call a a, a, a lactobacillus. Yes. Uh, it's what we like to call a bitch bacteria, and it does not like any sort of uh, alpha acids at all uh, in suspension when it goes to work. It likes right. to uh, likes to prey on the weak, you know, <laughs> and go to work with no one's watching. But it's always present. That's w- which is terrifying if you're a brewer. <laughs> like, oh my god, this shit's living in the grain. What the fuck am I gonna do? Put hops in your beer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's that. You can do that. You can do that. I guess. Uh, yeah. So uh, real quick, Derek. Uh, it is today is uh, November 11th. It is Veterans Day. So it is Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day, Derek. Oh, thank you. Um, I got to wish Happy Veterans Day to a few people at uh, at the brewery I went to today, and they looked nice. at me like, "Oh yeah, it is fucking Veterans Day, isn't?" It? I'm like, "Yeah, assholes. Come on." Yeah, that's kind of how my, my response to you. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Uh, I I try to make a habit to where I call my dad every year on the Marine Corps birthday because he's Marine Corps through and through. Once, right, once a Marine, always a Marine. I'm like, oh, happy 243rd today, Dad. Really? I guess y'all are still counting. <laughs> did you Did you get to talk to him then? Uh, no, I I was busy yesterday with things and. It's more of a more of a formality than I that I call that that you know on on the day. Gotcha. But uh, no, it's it's funny. Uh, there was there's a couple Marines that I work with, and they were talking about it on Friday. They're like, "Yep, two forty three going to be a big one this year." I'm like, "Okay, was it? Two hundred forty two <laughs> others weren't big. What the f- yeah, yeah, what, yeah. Why why two forty three being a big one? What do y'all got planned? What's going on? <laughs> you got something you don't you're not telling us? You can just give me a hint. It'd be great." Anyway, uh, so I thought I'd say that. And um, for any veterans that are listening, you know, happy Veterans Day. I know you're not going to be listening to it on Veterans Day, but still, it's nice to it's it's nice to be uh, recognized every now and then. It's good. Um, as for me, uh, what I'm drinking this evening is a beer that kind of leads into the day that I've had. But this is from Manhattan Project Beer Company. Uh, you would know them from our podcast number one hundred. And uh, we did a repost a couple weeks ago when I was out even more ill than I am now. Uh, They came on and uh, discussed their new brewery and their cans that they eventually came out with over the summer. And that's what I'm drinking tonight. It's called Hoppenheimer. Punny. Everybody loves it. Hoppenheimer. Um, It is their West Coast IPA. Comes in at 7.4% alcohol, which is surprisingly high for the rest of their beers. Um, th- this can is pretty dope because it's, I don't know if you can see it, Derek, but it's like this matte gray finish can. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's pretty it's dope. It's got like the pop outline on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a, a nice like, uh, like gold leaf kind of looking thing. Anyway, it's pretty dope. And, uh, all their cans have this similar, like muted tones, but still really clean artwork. 
the one thing I will say, this is a West Coast IPA. I love this beer uh, because it matches everything that a West Coast IPA should be. Like it is, it is bitter as all shit. <laughs> like this thing is, it is, it's chewy with hops. Uh, however, uh, one thing that I, one point of contention that I have here says this beer is for the IPA lover out there. True. It is a perfectly balanced West Coast American IPA with huge dank hop aroma. All right. Um, real quick. Balanced is the antithesis of West Coast IPA. <laughs> like this, uh, I think your, I think your mic came unplugged again, dude. Sorry. Yeah, you're there. Yeah. Uh, technical issues, I guess. It's all good. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, this, this beer is, I mean, it's very good. It's to style. But yeah, let's not use balanced, huh? Let's not a balanced West Coast IPA. Just <laughs> tons of hops. Yeah, it's bitterly offensive, but it's balanced offensive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> kick you in the teeth all the way through. Uh, what's crazy is this beer is seven point four percent, which isn't like crazy high, uh, but for the rest of their beers, it actually is quite high. So oh. I, yeah, I went down to uh, their new brew house or their brew house to be in Dallas, just south of Bishop Arts, uh, but north of 30. It's in a real weird spot. I'm going to be honest with you. Like the, the breweries in Dallas can be in some like found locations. They're just like, yep, yep, we're going to put a brewery here now. Uh, this one's one of them where it's in like this pseudo neighborhood industrial park behind a giant post office. Like I literally had to drive through a post office to get to this place today. Yeah, that's odd. It's, I remember uh, community trying to find that place when we first went and like yeah it's in like a fashion district i think yep it's in the design district well yeah. like, oh, now if you visited there derek you would not recognize it whatsoever so uh, where community is you remember they oh they were opening like a storefront on the opposite side of the building like yeah, toward yeah. i-35 uh well so when they did that they the rest of that building got bought out by this little company called the Dallas Mavericks and oh. uh, turned the rest of that building into a workout facility for the fucking Dallas Mavericks. What? Yeah. So the Mavericks practice on one side of this building and on the, on this little sliver of space between the, the practice facility and these giant apartment complexes uh, is community brewing. <laughs> Did, did, did like the the team members go there after after practice or anything? I don't know. I uh, haven't honestly. I haven't been shit probably since I went with you last time. Oh, that's a long time. Ago. Yeah, I just I just know that the happenings are are going on. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, th this place, uh, the Manhattan Project is. Uh, they're still. I think they said about six months away from opening their doors in their new location. Um, all their all their tanks and uh, brew house are all in the building. They are not okay. set up or like anchored down into place, uh, but they have like their canning line is all in there. They're uh, they have a boatload of kegs already in there. I know this can't be all the kegs that they're doing because they got they have some fermentation space in, like in tanks already. I mean, oh, we're nice. we're talking probably six eight like. 50, 60 barrel fermenters. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're going to be cranking out some beer, um, which is good because their stuff, uh, the stuff that I had today was awesome. I had a brute IPA or a 
pseudo brute IPA. I don't know if you've brute? had. Yeah. No. What, what is a brute IPA? So it is at like a champagne inspired IPA. Uh, it was. You can be traced back all the way back to 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this this is new new to me. A San Franciscan brewer, San Franciscoan, San Franciscan brewer. Okay, so, so he's he, they're near me. Yeah, they're now. near you. Yeah, you're near the uh, ground zero for <laughs> the brute IPA. The brute IPA, and uh, it's a uh, like yeah, like I said, champagne inspired. It is there's zero residual sugars. Um, it is late hopped, so it's uh not juicy. Uh, but it is definitely not bitter, and okay. they actually use, I want to say, beta amylase to get the gravity down to zero, 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 zero. Beta amylase. Beta or alpha. There's some sort of amylase that is used. Dextrinase, maybe. Uh, let's see. So they're probably chewing up the, the dextrins. Yeah. No, I mean they're they're fucking they're going to town. So let's see. Commercial brewers of brewed IPA use am uh, amylogluca. Nope. Whoa, this is a big ass word even for me. I fucking I'm gonna share my screen with you, Derek, because you're way okay. smarter than me. And we're gonna see a master at work. Let's see here. Let me make this full screen. Um, zoom in. Amylogluconosidase. What's that? That that will just essentially chew up. Any any like glucose glucose based like uh, molecule like like um, starch. Okay. So so, so it, it cuts the alpha one four and then the alpha one six um, linkages. Oh fucking hey! Everybody everybody, yeah. everybody everybody has a hard time getting through that alpha one four. You know. Well, alpha alpha one four is like the what what alpha, alpha amylase and beta amylase will work on but the alpha one six is you need you need something different okay so amylo, what was it amyloglucosidase yes yeah it just it just eats eats everything okay it, it cuts cuts everything there, there's something going on with your microphone and your speakers well we had a little technical difficulty we got to clear it up uh, the little humming noise that we heard was uh, an appliance running at uh, Derek's place. Uh, we got that. We got that squared away, though. Yeah, dishwasher. The, the wonders of modern science and uh, uh, troubleshooting half a country, half a continent away. You know, <laughs> it's just amazing what we can do with technology. Uh, no, so back to what we were talking about with the brute IPA. Um, so this is a kind of I say pseudo brute. Because they're not calling it a brute IPA. They're calling it a sparkling IPA. So my guess is they couldn't get the gravity all the way down. But they okay. got the perceived gravity down. Uh, because it, it didn't taste. There was, very, there was no perceivable sweetness there. Um, and the carbonation was supposed to be higher. Is, is this a style in the BJCP? It's not in BJCP yet. Um, okay. I mean, hell, uh, a New England IPA just got added in February of this year to BJCP. What's the, is that, that's just like super hazy, right? I mean, so yeah. yeah, people call it a hazy IPA, uh, New England, Northeast IPA. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, um, it's, it, we talked about biotransformation and it's obviously off the cast, but we talked about biotransformation of hops and what, what adding hops into a fermenting beer will do to the color and flavor of the beer. 
um, it, it changes it completely and it gives it that hazy, hazy appearance. So the haze is not a the haze is a, a, a an outcome of a brewing process of the brewing process for that beer. It is not an added um, effect. Is is it is it protein related? Uh, it is somewhat protein related because they use a lot of adjuncts in the in the grist. So okay. they'll use up to I think like thirty percent oats in some beers. That'll that'll do it. And uh, unmalted wheat. So yep. yeah, no, it's a it's a lot of a lot of protein. Yes, um, but even straight protein like that won't give the color and appearance that you get in a well made New England IPA. Uh, that still has to come from the absurd amount of dry hopping that's done in that beer, uh, and at least twice. Um, single, there's no such thing. At least by definition as a single dry hopped New England IPA. Yeah. This, this sounds complicated. It's just a way for hop heads to justify spending a lot of fucking money on a beer. Hayes bros. Hayes bros, bro. Um, I, I never heard that till I came out here. Somebody was telling me there's Hayes bros. Oh, there are Hayes bros. They're line. When they call them uh, line sitters, uh, true boys. That's my favorite. What, what is a true boy? True boy. Oh, true boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because um, some of these like really like poorly made New England IPAs literally look like you're just drinking a glass of Troub. Oh gosh! Yeah, it's fucking gross. Uh, my favorite is uh, the blogger Don't Drink Beers uh, on Instagram, and he's got his own website. And he's fucking, he's pretty goddamn funny. Uh, he calls them Flock Boys. Flock Boy. <laughs> flock Boy. F L O C C B O I. Uh, which is, I mean, that's some inside nerd hilarity is what that is. Um, but yeah, it's fucking, I, the only reason I don't like don't drink beers more is because he makes fun of Cicerones so hard. <laughs> he calls, he calls Cicerones Cicerolones because yeah. <laughs> when they walk into a brewery, they end up being by themselves within two seconds. <laughs> And I've wanted to comment several times, but like, well, it's because we get really tired of dealing with dumb people and we just want to be by ourselves. But I'm like, no, nope, that's playing into his hand, Brian. Yeah, it's playing yeah. into his hand. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, we had that, had that brewed IPA to start off the day. Um, that is not their, that is not Manhattan Project's like go to beer by any means. Like, it's not their go to style. Their go to style is their, their hazy IPA, their New England IPA which is called uh, Half-Life. Okay. And it is, it's damn delicious. I mean, it's up there with everything rhymes with orange uh, from Rough Tail. And I don't think you've had a chance, to, I don't, you may have had a chance to try it, but it no, is, I haven't, I haven't had that. It, everything rhymes with orange literally tastes like a glass of orange juice. It's fucking great. Like in, a, in the best possible way. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and it's all from hops. Uh, oh. So Half-Life is, is very similar. It's not as orange, but it definitely has those like ripe uh, fruit juice flavors. Um, last year on their first and on Manhattan Project's first anniversary, they released double Half Life. That's right. You do the math. It's the <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is, it, is that quarter life? Um, I guess if you're doing math correctly, uh, other other people look at it and be like, no, it's full life. Then or full like, life. Yeah. Well. Uh, so yeah, they released the adding or, or times. I guess is the question. Yeah. It depends on where the decimals at, obviously. And, uh, so they made that last year. It was very, very good. And they've like made that kind of not necessarily year round, but 
they definitely pulse it throughout the season or throughout the year. Nice. Uh, this year they released Triple Half Life, which again, <laughs> you do the math. <laughs> Essentially, what it is is just a triple dry hop version of double Half-Life. But even that beer is only 6.2% alcohol. So They're calling it, they're calling it a triple? Uh, it, it's a, a triple IPA, I guess? A triple dry hopped IPA, which is correct. Like I, I think that's like, for me, that's like a 9-10% beer. Yeah, if you hear triple IPA, that's what I go to. I mean, I go 10% plus, I think is the actual, like kind of agreed upon because if Imperial right. IPA or double IPA is 7.5 or 8% to 10%, then triple has to be above that. I've only had probably two or three IPAs that classify as triple IPA. I mean, besides like 120, cause that's just a, a big, a big one. You're unplugged again. <laughs> he said, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Am I back on? <laughs> yeah, you're back. Okay. <laughs> no, um, but yeah. So uh, for the average person, it, it does. You're 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 catching on to what I why I was wanting to talk about it. It is a little bit confusing when you hear these triple and double uh, versions of New England style IPAs because people are kind of bucking the system, the traditional system of saying double and triple, meaning like the level of alcohol, right. And that's um, not what they're referring to. What are they referring to? The Down number of hops or something? Yeah, the the number of dry hopping uh, sessions that they've thrown into this beer. Which, honestly, it works from a marketing standpoint. I didn't think that it did, uh, but talking to the people at Rough Tail, it was, it's crazy. They did a triple dry hopped version of Everything Rhymes with Orange. And... They were like, oh, it's the most hops you've ever had in a beer. I'm like, okay. Um, it tastes good. It just tastes even more hoppy than their regular version of Everything Rhymes with Orange. Like, they didn't bump the alcohol in it at all. They just added another dry hopping session to it. See, see, I would be annoyed. I'd want, like, if I'm ordering a triple, I want it to, you know. Pack be, a punch. Yeah, pack a punch. Because I want to, that's what I think of. And, and, it's high hops, high alcohol. Yeah. I'm old. Yeah. Well, that's uh, I was talking to uh, Carl at Manhattan Project today, and I was like, well, so it's the same ABV, but it's just way more hops. I was like, that's got to be a very expensive brew to make. He was like, oh, yeah, it's really expensive. Yeah. I was like, ah. it, it got me thinking about, like, wh- what, is go- what, is your, what is your approach to that beer? Like, it can't be a sustainable approach. You can't make that beer year-round because – like it's the same ABV. It's the same line item as your double version. Are they, are they charging more for it? They, they would have to if you're if you're throwing in another round of ingredients, basically, right. into the brewing process. You you would have to charge more for it. It's just it's just wild to think about that way, and it's something that I know the average consumer definitely doesn't think about because they have better shit to think about. Um, but it's just it's it's wild uh, that. To think that that's kind of where the state of of beer making is right now is that people are not necessarily just thinking about the uh, amount of alcohol is equivalent to the amount of money that I'm paying, you know? Well, that's, that's what I'm thinking about. But. Well, and that's like, <laughs> that's, 
That's what most people are thinking about. Right. I'm sorry. There is a calendar that I have on my wall right behind my computer. And what I'm thinking about is the fact that this fucking calendar for November has 31 goddamn days on it. What the well, shit? That's not right. What the shit is going on? I'm sorry. <laughs> Twilight, uh, Twilight Zone. <laughs> it's, it's even re- more ridiculous that it's hams. It's a hams calendar. You know what hams is? <laughs> Is that a beer? Yeah, it's yeah, it's <laughs> like a beer from Minnesota. I don't know, fuck it. Yeah, it's the yeah, because uh, but it's made by Miller Coors now. Oh wow! And they gave out calendars. I'm like, oh, this is a cool little fucking calendar. It's got some most like ridiculous days. Like, uh, it's, it's it's a cool calendar. It has extra days. Yeah, like what the fuck? <laughs> There's a goddamn leap year in November this year on this calendar. <laughs> what the shit? Sorry. I fucking who who sent this to print? Who was like, "Yep, no, this looks good." Is December all fucked up now? It should be. No, they just fucking put thirty-one days in November. Just just extra day in November. They just I said fuck it. It's thirty-first or the first. You decide. Who you know? You fucking you figure it out. I don't care. Hey, uh, what are your thoughts on on breweries calling things like double, triple, but it's not really like saying it to style. Yeah, I I really don't like that. I am I'm kind of a a real like purist nerd when it comes to that yeah. shit. Well, yeah, I, I am too. I like like things to be called their proper name. So yeah, because otherwise, how the fuck do you know what you're about to open? How do you right. know what you're about to taste? If I call something a black saison, even though that doesn't exist, if it accurately describes what you're about to drink, call it that. That's kind of the way I I approach it. Like there's no, I mean, there's obviously no such thing in the style guide as a black saison. But if you know beer and you know, you if, you, can, you can kind of expect what you're about to taste. If if I remember correctly, saison actually has like a range of colors. It, it does, uh, and it and it's surprisingly how large it is. Saison and beer to guard are two of the largest styles as far as um, parameters because they they cover like. 30 SRM and uh, yeah, it got like, like surprisingly dark. Cause nor- normally like I think of a Saison, I almost think kind of pale, you know? Yeah. It's but, like, a, but it, it's like almost Brown. Yeah, they can be, they can be really, and bearded guards are even weirder cause they can be black and then oh, they, crazy. they taste like a Saison. It's fucking weird. Uh, I mean, I'll be at a really, uh, rustic and musty oxidized Saison sometimes, but <laughs> Sure, I fuck it. Whatever, just call it a, call it a, call it a beer to guard. Call it done. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't like when breweries, like, make their own marketing scheme. I, I, I it's, and I'm in a weird spot too because New Belgium is like uh, Peter Bruckart, the old brewer there at New Belgium, was so against any style guides. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. He fucking he couldn't stand anybody dropping a style name on one of the beers that he made. Um, uh, it, but, yeah, right. <laughs> like okay, all right. Like you have to set your Belgian identity aside for one second and realize that other people have to fucking drink your beer and they yeah. have to know what they're about to drink. Uh, but if you look at uh, Fat Tire, for instance, Fat Tire for the longest time used to be called a an amber ale. Yeah, that's, that's what I know it as. Yeah, uh, and it's like uh, it doesn't necessarily fall within the like style guidelines exactly for an American amber ale, 
because an essentially, essentially an American Amber Ale is there's no, there's no taste difference between an American Amber and an American Pale Ale. The only difference is color. Okay. Um, if you, it, like, if you go so by style it, guide, would it be like a little less hoppy than what a American Amber Ale would be? Uh, fat, fat tire. Fat tire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically it, it still falls within the, I guess it technically falls within the style guidelines of American Amber Ale, but it's not what you like. It's not the classic example, but I okay. think what they call it now is a Belgian ale, which if you what? remember back into the old home brewing days, when we first started out brewing, uh, like the, the running joke is if you made a bad beer, just call it a Belgian ale and everybody yeah. would be like, oh, yeah, fuck, it tastes just like a Belgian ale. This is great, man. Like, you could literally have a turd in a glass and be like, it's a Belgian ale? And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm getting, all right. This is, this is very interesting. This has got a lot of depth to it. So, like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like a, a purist nerd sometimes, but at the same time, like, when I go to describe something to someone, like, I use terms that they've heard of. And if you're going to describe something to the average beer drinker, you would describe it in terms that they understand. And when you start throwing shit around out of context, it makes it very difficult for them to like for the average person to pick up what, what you're putting down. Oh, for sure. And uh, I mean, even like for people that do sensory on beer, they have like a set lexicon that, that they use like citrus or whatever. Yeah. They have like a beer will. So. Yeah, and and like yeah. So if you're gonna if you're gonna judge the beer on that, you're gonna make sure that the beer is drinkable based off of a, a a set parameter of vocabulary. Then why not set your own parameter of vocabulary on how you goddamn sell your beer? Right. Because yeah, as a consumer, if if like I want to try a new new brewery, I want to know what's what's like what I'm buying first time. Yeah. Yeah. And and then again, like if you're learning, like you want to know what you like and what you don't like. So when you do go into a big like a big beer bar, you can start learning about like what not to order and what to order more of. Yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah, eh, that that part that part of the beer business is 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 rough. But it's like you know, first world problems rough. You know, <laughs> like eh, it, could be, it could be worse, right? Yeah, yeah, it could be way fucking worse. We could be in an Oklahoma. Th- like four years ago when it's like, Oh shit, this is we're fucked. We got chalk and that's all we got here. Oh gosh. (laughs) That, uh, um, so I guess Oklahoma, like they recently passed a law that, that lets you buy craft beer in in the grocery store now. Shit. Yeah, dude. And and wine. October, October 1st, bro. Yeah, no, that is, uh, that is a big change. Um, people all across Oklahoma were worried that mom and pop liquor stores were all going to go out of business by mid October. Yeah, I don't think that happened. No, it didn't. Uh, matter of fact, their their sales went up a little bit because they were able to put refrigerators in liquor stores. It's fucking wild. <laughs> like, oh my god, who would have thought that uh, people would want to buy shit to drink now? This is crazy. Oh, fucking eh. Right, instead of having to go put it in the freezer and wait for an hour or whatever. Yeah, wrap it in a, a wet paper towel and put it in the freezer and wait five minutes. That old, <laughs> well, okay. that old trick. A I do have a bit of a shortcut. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's ridiculous that it's 2018 and uh, we had to talk adults out of 
denying people the the right as American citizens to drink goddamn cold craft beer. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, I like that right. <laughs> it is a fucking right. It should be in the goddamn it's, it's constitution. Freedom of speech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it goes speech, drink beer, drink cold craft beer. I don't know. Um you can't fucking own other people and then I don't know. Don't shoot each other in the fucking face. I think those are the Brian's constitutional rights. We're having trouble with that last one. So Yeah, no, we have a real fucking problem understanding what I mean by don't shoot someone else in the face. Well, I mean, I was aiming for... Shut up. Just stop being a dick. It goes back to the like the, the early, early listeners of this podcast. Remember my sign-off, uh, like the first couple episodes. Which was uh, uh, for Brian in in North Texas. Don't be a dick. <laughs> Just be fucking kind to one another. Don't be a dick. It's easier said than done. I guess. I think it's yeah. People are just born into being assholes. I woke up this morning and I felt like punching my neighbor, so I did that. All right. Over over a parking spot. Nah, just for funs, dude. Even a fucking parking spot. There's a reason behind it. No, I like to. Punch people at random because I'm a real asshole. I don't know. Maybe it's I've taken too many trips to Walmart this weekend. Maybe that's why. Oh, that, that'll, that'll do it. <laughs> Fucking hey, I had to go buy a car battery this weekend. Oh, that's always fun. Yeah, it's always like at the most inconvenient time. Oh yeah. Oh, it's fucking great. Uh, it, I can't complain. I knew I had a bad battery in my car, but this cold weather just fucked it completely. I'm like, ah, damn it. So. I had to had bite the bullet and go buy a battery. And it's so demoralizing how much money you spend on such a small part of your vehicle. Oh, like, oh, my gosh. I, I, have, I have a Prius, and like, apparently it has a special... Not not, not like the, the like battery that runs the car, but just a special like, regular car battery. Yeah. I, I spent almost $300. Fuck. I had, to have some, I had to go to a Prius dealership and have them put it in because... It's like in a special secret spot. And Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, nobody else carried that battery. Fuck smooth off. I Yeah. See, that's... Uh, I do like working on my own car. Like, it makes me feel like I've fucking accomplished something. Like, I changed the battery in my car, and then I was like, well, while I'm here and I'm under the hood, let's go ahead and change the oil in both my car and my wife's car. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Sure, it honestly... I saved like zero dollars because like <laughs> when you buy full synthetic oil and a nice oil filter, like you're still, you're looking at about $26, for a full oil change. And yeah. then I'm responsible for also having to go to recycle the fucking used oil. So, I mean, it's a whole thing at that point, but here in North Texas, Derek, I don't know if you've ever had if you experienced it when you lived up here, but like when you go to get something simple done, like change the oil in your car or get a new fucking tire that you had blow out on the side of the road, oh God. Uh, it takes like it's like a five six hour ordeal because there are so many people trying to do the exact same fucking thing that you're trying to do, and whatever like every auto repair shop and tire shop in the area has employed like exactly three people, one person to not answer a fucking phone, another guy to look at tires and another guy to get in and pull cars through the drive through. That's all they fucking do. 
That's his whole job. Yeah, oh, yeah. What do you do? I just move this from over here to over there. That's what I do, man. I'm really good at it. Huh. Well, who's actually doing work here? Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't do any of that shit here. We send that out. It's oh, it's fucking wild. And, like, I know people do work on cars. Like, I've seen it done. I, I've got family members who work on cars. But it's like, uh, I don't fucking, I don't really don't want to take my car to a dealership to get it worked on. Because, I, I like, again, I can do it's all this. Yeah, and I can do all this shit myself. Like, I don't, you don't have to have a whole crazy slew of tools to do most, like, basic repairs to a car. Unless you have a Prius that yeah, requires... Yeah, unless you have a Prius, which they, they require that, apparently. <laughs> sure. You that's, can... that's what I was trying to do. It's like calling places like, oh, we don't carry that. It, it needs like a special tool and it's in a, its own spot. <laughs> like, oh, oh, if you touch the battery, you will die. It will blow yeah. your dick off of your body. I'm like, oh, shit, I like my dick. I don't want to blow that off. Yep. <laughs> the battery's under the back seat. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that makes perfect sense. So, so, so like giving somebody a jump, like I've given somebody a jump from it, it's still just like this crazy, like hard thing to do. Do they have remote terminals on that car? Remote terminals? Yeah. So, um, um, like I think a BMW, the first couple of years of the BMW X5, like the battery was mounted in the back, but they had remote terminals up front under the hood, so you could jump start and give a jump start just like normal. Just the battery uh, is not up there. Not that I know of, and I, I looked through the, the the manual just to like kind of Find figure it. it out. So yeah, I, I'm guessing they would have put that in there. <sighs> That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Sure, you can have 40 miles to the gallon, but fucking battery is jammed <laughs> under the back seat, <laughs> and it'll blow your dick off if you try to change it yourself. So, fuck. Do I want 40 miles to the gallon? <sighs> Oh, it's, it's close to 50. I get is it? Close to 50, so. Oh, you have the Prius C, right? Yeah, I've got the C. Like yeah. the smaller version of the Prius. Uh, I used to drive one of those when I was delivering beer. It is a goddamn... I felt like I was going to die every day that I was delivering beer in that car. Did you have kegs? You had the keg, kegs <laughs> in the back of the Prius C? I think the most I ever put in the back of a Prius C was about 50 cases of beer. Oh my gosh! And I literally, I thought the fucking tires were gonna blow off. So you're gonna be, you're gonna be driving, and it's gonna, like the back's gonna be weighted down. Yeah, it was like I was driving a hoopty, but it was a Prius C. <laughs> it was fucking sweet. So I don't know if yours has this, but if you depress the uh, brake pedal all the way, it gives that like uh, three second uh, full stop. So if you come uh, to a, if you come to a stop sign, you can just depress the brake pedal all the way, and it beeps, and it counts down like three, two, one, and then it goes. And it's well, sweet. No, I don't have that. It's sweet because you can never roll through a stop sign. I'm using air quotes. Roll through a stop sign. Right. So, what, but what you can do is you just fucking jam the gas down. So when it counts down to one, it's almost like a launch mode. Oh no! <laughs> it's fucking dope. Because <laughs> uh, those Prius man, they got a lot of torque for being a really small car. You can also set the old parking brake and jam on the gas. <laughs> Let go of the parking brake and them. Fucking car squats down like it's, it's Whoa. it's pretty dope. Um, I probably shouldn't have been driving that Prius C. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's better than the HHR that I had to drive. It was a panel version HHR. I, I don't even know what that is. Okay, so an HHR. You know what a PT Cruiser is? Yeah. Okay, think of that except made by Chevy. So not as cool looking, and it's a panel version. So that means it has no fucking windows on the back sides. Oh, like gosh. it is just all like 
bodied. So, so is this like one of those box-looking cars? Yeah, that's about it. Oh, okay. yeah, it's got a few, a few rounded corners, um, but essentially it looks like a goddamn hearse, but for like little people. <laughs> and dude, that thing was a goddamn death trap. So in Dallas, you know, we have all those like turnarounds uh, under overpasses. Yeah. So like, yeah, you take an access road and you're like, ah, shit, I need to go back the other direction. And you go through a little turnaround, a little U-turn. You don't have to go through a stoplight. But you have to yield into merge, you know, merge into traffic, go in the other direction. Once you go under the bridge, there were so many days that I just like closed my eyes and hit the accelerator because you can't see shit. Like once you get to certain angles, you can't see anything that's going on behind you because you're just like, I fuck, I don't know if their car's coming. I have no (laughs) idea if their car is coming. So you just like give it a one Mississippi, two Mississippi, hit the fucking gas. Like I've given you enough time for you to see that I am here and now I am moving. So you, you see me moving and you just give me a break, man. Cause I, I, I fucking can't see, I can't see anything. And if they'll, I had they'll react to you. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I'm your problem. Now you deal with me you fucking figure out how to make this work. Dude, those cars were death traps, death traps. I'm uh, I, I'm glad I haven't seen one on the road in a long time, but fucking hey, those things. I uh, you know you mentioned uh, batteries being located in weird spots, right? So I, I get into some weird YouTube shit. Like I'll just go down YouTube rabbit holes, and uh, like while I'm at work, probably should be doing <laughs> something else, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and I recently got to this YouTube series called Vin Wiki. So V-I-N wiki. So it's the vehicle identification number. Anyway, it's an app uh, for people to basically track, trace, and update uh, VIN numbers for like uh, supercars or really, really expensive luxury cars. And uh, it's a way to kind of prove value of vehicles besides what like Kelly Blue Book says. So anyway, it's some real nerd shit. But uh, they have a YouTube channel where they talk about uh, cars. And just tell car stories. So I listened to a bunch of fucking basically used car dealer stories uh, on cars that cost, you know, a quarter million dollars. So Jeez. the stories are already good because used car, used car salesmen only have one thing to do in this world. And that's to tell stories about the last car that they sold. <laughs> and when they have a lot of time in between car sales, like pff, you can make that story really good. So uh, the YouTube channel is just basically that and uh it's pretty funny but it's led me into some weird rabbit holes one of the weird rabbit holes was this guy who essentially buys supercars uh like salvaged or like for really really cheap and then okay. uh, rebuilds them and either drives them himself or sells them like the, like they've been wrecked or totaled or something yeah or they've received some like weird body damage and they're like okay well i gotta fix this shit now or like you know they blew an engine and it totaled out the car Something weird. Yeah. So this guy uh, buys an Audi R8 V8. So it's not the V10, but it's the V8 Quattro, which is a pretty badass vehicle. And he's like, ah, the battery's dead. All right. So I got to I gotta figure out how to jumpstart this battery. And he opens the frunk, which is the front trunk. <laughs> Thank you, Tesla, for coining the phrase frunk. Frunk. So fucking dumb. Anyway, uh, so he pops the frunk. And he hooks battery, like jumper cables and everything up to the battery because the battery is in between the front wheels. 
I was like, okay. ah, that's a weird spot, but at least it's accessible. Uh, you right. know, to your point, well, you didn't have to fucking rip out a back seat to get to the battery. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, however, it's, it's however, once you get the car started, and he's like, "Yep, yeah, all right, the battery's an issue. We got to we have to change the battery." He has to take out his entire frunk. So he has to take out like the front body panel, the interior body panels has to come out. The windshield wiper assembly has to come out. Like everything has to come out to replace a goddamn battery on a car. I'm like, wow. You fucking these hypercars yeah. are ridiculously expensive to just maintain. Hypercars and Priuses. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're basically the same thing. Uh, the same level of engineering, unfortunately, probably went into both of those vehicles. Like that's probably true. <laughs> like, how do we make this car just absolutely like ludicrous? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, are you asking ludicrously like difficult to work on or ludicrously <laughs> fast? Oh no, 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 not fast. I mean difficult to work on and also ludicrously high miles per gallon. Can we do that? <laughs> oh yeah, I think we can work something out. That's that's the trade off. Yeah, it's like, got to be hard to work on, but you get you get more gas mileage. Yeah, and like, can't we just make it easy to work on and get high gas mileage? Get the fuck out, Bob. I'm tired of you and your crazy ideas. This is bullshit. I can't work in this environment. Bob's over here fucking providing feedback. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I would be the worst like project lead. Like, uh, yep, we're here today, ladies and gentlemen, to make other people's lives miserable. Who's in? Hands in. Hands in. Here we go. One, two, three, Prius C. And just uh, go on. I, imagine being the lead designer on the HHR panel van, panel vehicle. Just like, let's see, what can we do here to make this shit worse? Got it. Take out all the fucking windows and just black everything out. Cool. Sounds good. It seems a little rape vanny. No, 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 no. There's no room in the back of this vehicle, so there's nothing to be concerned with there. Oh, cool. That makes it better. Anyway, so uh, what? Uh, is, we were talking about uh, beforehand your uh, some like research that you were doing today. Is that how your day to day goes? Of uh, just you know researching Ooh, for the man. Uh, my day to day, um, let's see, it's, it's kind of a mix right now. Uh, you'll go, so, so I'm, I'm in a PhD program. You'll go to class, uh, but that's not your main, main thing. You're, you're a researcher. Um, you'll work in the lab depending on what, what your lab does. Yeah. Uh, you'll go to s- seminars. It's kind of a, a mixed bag. It, it looks different each day. And really, the challenge is it's not one thing that's really hard. It's it's just you, you're getting pulled in like so many different directions. So like it's 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 Sunday, and I, I went I went to work, and that's that's pretty normal for me. Like, um, did you go into your your office? Yeah, I went in, went into my like office slash lab, the, but it's 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 not too bad. It overlooks a vineyard, so I'm not not there, complaining too much. There it is. That's much much better view than I thirty five and some homeless people like I get. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it, it's good. Like, um, like I, I, I write scientific papers. I've, I've been published before. I actually enjoy that. That's, that's kind of like a, a, a cool process. Cause you, you set up like an experiment and then you'll do it and then you'll like put it into this paper. And it's like a really completionist sort of thing. Like you, you finally finish everything, get it written down, send it for peer review, uh, 
evaluation and see if they'll take it. You have a beginning, middle, and end to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have like a, like I said, it, you you've actually finished something at one point. Like, okay, this is <laughs> off my plate. So. That's awesome. That is that is fucking cool. Honestly, it's like every like super nerd uh, kids dream. Like uh, when I learned about the old scientific process, I was like, oh shit, that seems right. Like that seems <laughs> like the right thing to do for like everything. Can we do this for other things? And oh, then you we should. <laughs> then you like, yeah. Then you never apply the scientific pro. Like you never apply it to anything else after that. You're like, no, no, no. That's for chemistry, dumbass. Like, well. Guys, we can hypothesize about something and then test that hypothesis. Like, or you could just fucking write the paper, Brian. I don't know. I don't know why we're taking this much time on this. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, uh, and it, you have to kind of get funding too. So it's it's um, you can research whatever you want as long as you have funding for it. So that's that's part of the challenge. So like, I wrote a grant up the other week for it was over two hundred thousand dollars for a couple of years of funding. Some some walking around pocket money. Yeah, I mean, you have you have my salary, a couple other people's salary, um, use use of equipment like HPLCs, uh, uh, gas chromatography. Oh shit! Uh, like mass spec. Yeah, so you're talking like a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment that you're having to use. Right, right. We we have the equipment. It's just doing the runs. So like, you might have to buy columns for it. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote in like uh, doing solid phase micro extraction. So you have to buy like the the, the filament, and that, that all this stuff costs money. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not like it's a a multi use thing, like multi use things that you're having to do. Like yeah, you have to you have to you know the machine might be there forever, but the, stuff yeah. like that you have to take into account. Well, that's fucking cool. Like that's some real nerd shit. I love that. Yeah, it was it was for uh, actually cider. Um, I was I wanted to look at if you had apples called at harvest if they're going to be uh, suitable for cider, like hard cider production. Um, cause it, cause they'll hit the ground and then like FDA says you can't use them for, um, like just plain regular non hard cider. Yeah. Uh, for like food safety concerns. Uh, but if you make it into hard cider, you have a kill step with the, uh, alcohol production and, uh, the, the acidity of, of the drink. Yeah. It so kills it, off bacteria and any like harmful, yeah, like like listeria stuff like that. It'll it'll it, that can get people pretty sick. Yeah, you can ask Bluebell because they had a mass recall like three years ago. Yeah, that's that's kind of scary. For, it's it's for like uh, particularly with listeria, like people that are pregnant or immune compromised. Yep. Like me, me and you, Brian, like we could probably eat stuff with some listeria on it and be okay. Yeah, I don't know, man. Well, I'm well, if you if you eat lunch meat, then you probably probably had. Oh yeah, well yeah, which yeah. is uh, it's funny you mention that. So when Mrs. Brian was pregnant, uh, she she had like cravings for black forest ham and like cracked black pepper turkey, and yeah. you're like, well, okay, pregnant women can't eat cold cuts. Like you're not supposed to eat sandwich meat. However, we learned that if you microwave sandwich yeah. meat for like. 13 seconds or some weird amount of time. Like it kills any bacteria that could be in the, in the meat. Yeah. yeah. Like listeria, um, it, it can't, it's not real thermotolerant. So that yeah. microwave like kill step will, should, should take care of everything. So yeah, I mean, and that's, that's what you're worried about with the lunch meats and pregnant women. 
Yeah, we had no idea of that, and it would have been much easier to hear that explained because the way we had it explained to us was like some fucking, ooh, the microwave makes the lunch meat clean. We're like, well, okay, I know that's not the truth, but I'm very scared as it is with everything involved in this whole pregnancy thing, so we're just going to listen to you, Magic Doctor Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> It makes everything clean. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just a kill step. You like keep... Try to kill. It makes sense. Road. It's like getting food up to 180 degrees and fucking at least for like five minutes and then. Right. Like, say, say milk pasteurization, you, you heat it up to a certain level. It kills enough of the bacteria. Like, you're never going to hit zero. Yeah. But you, but you'll hit, you'll get low enough that it's not going to. The, the threshold for harmful bacteria. Yeah. Or enough. like even detection limit. Like, you can't even detect it. So, yeah. Huh. Well, that's good. Uh, that shit is terrifying, Derek. I'm not gonna lie. Now that now that part is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you wanna, you wanna like hear something <laughs> or a topic that's terrifying, botulism. Uh huh. Um, yeah, that's that's sausage sickness. It's it like will paralyze you, and then like you're slowly suffocating. And I, I had to listen to like a uh, um, an account of a survivor for for like a food safety class to kind of like hammer in how important this stuff was. Oh my god. Yeah, they had to do a tracheotomy on her uh, while she. And they couldn't put her put her down or anything like that. So while she was holy shit. All right, so saw you. You heard somebody talk <laughs> about a fucking saw experiment. That's terrifying. Did, is it true uh, that uh, unfermented wort uh, can produce botulism? Like, it, uh, well, to produce botulism, it has to be in an anaerobic environment, right? Um, so, I mean, I. I guess if you put it in because the ph isn't low enough you right. get um to, to make sure you don't have it i think below 4.6 is the, the the magic number yeah and uh most like wort like a post boil post cooled wort is like five two or something like that yeah yeah it's 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 not below four six oh. uh but but then you have to have it in an anaerobic environment which i i mean who's who's doing that I mean, I mean, are you just like shutting it away and like, putting it in a plastic bag and drinking it? Yeah, so that's that's actually the thing. So there's this uh, there's a brewing process called no chill brewing, okay. and what they do is or what people do is, and this is something in other countries it's more popular because uh, glass carboys here and plastic carboys here are much more readily available. But right. what they're doing uh, in this process is taking hot ass wort. Um, so fresh off the boil, they're transferring it over to food safe food, uh, plastic cubes. Okay. And they're letting it like sit overnight or like two days to naturally cool down. Okay. And they're, I mean, they're, they're putting it under an airlock too. So it's shutting off. There's no air moving around it because they know like, Oh, we want to keep it safe. We don't want any bacteria get in here, but they're just yeah. like leaving it for days at a time. Well, if if they're getting it up that hot, I mean they, they've killed most stuff. Sorry, hold on. I lost you. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm gonna turn my video off real quick. Okay, all right. So you uh, before it cut out, you were talking about it gets up real hot. Right, right, and that's gonna be like that's a kill step, okay. right? You you killed almost all the bacteria in your your wart. Um. And then they're moving it over, so maybe you have some pickup there. But are they? They're fermenting it. Then they're fermenting it after it gets down to like 
room temperature. So that yeah, can be like two, three days. That should be fine. I mean, I, I think I've heard of that like in Australia. Yeah. Just trying to conserve water. Mm-hmm. Fermentation pro- process, you, you're you going to kill, like you have eth- ethanol being produced and then you're dropping the pH also. Right, which is the like the biggest like selling point for quickly fermenting a beer after boil is like the quick transfer, get the get the temperature down quickly so you can pitch the yeast and you don't have any sort of other like you don't have an opportunity for other things to grow. Right. Um other things. Yeah, I would I case, wouldn't be concerned about like the 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 safety aspect of it. All right. Well, um I scared the shit out of my supervisor at work about his uh no chill process. So maybe I can go back and tell him uh, maybe he can go back to brewing beer his way. <laughs> well, I mean, was was it making good beer? That's a, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, it's is all right. I mean, you know. Because, I mean, you do have that opportunity for something besides Saccharomyces to come in there. And, and go to work. Yeah, go to work. Yeah, and that's that's what I told him. I was like, listen, you know, uh, the botulism scare uh, via internet post aside – like you're honestly you're you're setting yourself up for not making as good a beer as you could if you just chilled it down quickly and then started fermenting. Yeah, has has anybody ever heard of like botch or I mean, have you heard of botulism in, so in beer? Or, I think so. there was an article produced uh opposing no chill brewing uh and using like citing some paper that was written a long time ago and that's where the scare came from. So it went around a couple of homebrew forums and then made its way onto a few homebrew podcasts. Um, the concerns with no chill brewing. Uh, I mean, you you would have to be anaerobic, and I mean, there's still going to be oxygen in your wort. Well, right? if it's if it's but see, here's the deal: if it, if you have just gotten off a, a, a vigorous boil, you won't have any oxygen because that's I mean, it's what you're doing is boiling off any any sort of extra shit, right? Well, I mean, during transfer. I guess like you're, yeah. you're picking up oxygen too. Yeah, and the likelihood of someone transferring with zero you, splash like, or anything. Like a, a skill that I don't see either, like a homebrew. <laughs> you don't I know me, any... Derek. I can transfer shit so smooth. I've got a, uh, what is it, a, a, a diaphragm pump that uh, <laughs> doesn't stir shit up and it just trickles beer through. It's. Fucking like, great. I, I mean, pe- people that are bottling and canning, they, they, they have like a hard time not pick they they pick up oxygen all the time it's like oh, kind of a, oh are you are you are you kidding me right now uh yeah, like, it makes the beer worse professional <laughs> brewers have that issue on a daily basis um that that beer that uh frank posted the other night uh, from other half that looked brown and murky i'm like dude i don't care how old you say that beer is that shit is oxidized as hell yeah uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's, it, a, it's I'm not a, I'm not like a super big fan of oxidized beers. So. Uh, like, as well, hard, you, hard, cardboard and just not good, dude. If you have okay, so you're you're describing traditional oxidation, um, oxidation of New England style IPAs uh, is a whole different level, dude. It is <laughs> fucking it's disgusting, and it's wild because you can actually watch it in your glass from a draft. Like it'll come looking one color, and if you leave it in your glass for too long, it will look a different color. Is it? Is it kind of like being in the sun? It's fucking wild. Yeah, it's very similar to that. It's fucking wild. 
Like, you know, it's getting its color from the malt and you know, the only thing that can cause it like cause it to change color is oxygen or exposure to oxygen. And you're like, what the fuck is going on in this beer? Like, how is the malt changing color? Well, well with, with, um, when you use a ton of hops, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember what the like uh, mechanism is, but I know, I know like say, say Corona, yeah. They don't use a ton of hops, but they have that clear bottle and you get like a skunky mm-hmm. flavor from it. That's from light. That's light. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, light uh UV rays actually breaking up the hop oils that are in suspension will cause that uh the skunky aromas. It's called light struck is the off flavor in those right. beers. Um but yeah, no, that causes that. But you know that like it still has a bright juicy aroma in the in these new england style ipas uh, and it still like tastes somewhat juicy but it it may look a completely different color huh it's fucking so, wild so because i was thinking if you had this like super hopped beer and you're you're out on the patio oh yeah it, it will actually change within the amount of time that it takes you to drink it oh yeah yeah and um it's, but it's in a, it's in a, it's a different type of change. Cause I know what you're talking about and it is a, that's more of a disappointing change. This yeah. is more of a, like, what the fuck am I drinking change? Yeah. I should have drank this quicker sort of thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if I told you about the last new England IPA that I made, but I decided to make a, uh, a both coast IPA. So I made a, a, a new England style ba- uh, malt bill. Uh, okay. So it had a bunch of adjuncts, uh, a bunch of oats and unfermented wheat. And then a shit ton of late hops, a uh, shit ton of dry hops. Un, un, unmalted wheat? Unmalted wheat, yeah. Uh, gotcha. And then I also used about a pound and a half of table sugar. Whoa. Okay. Did, you dry, did it dry it out? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, it was kind of what I was going for. And um, then I used a, a um, I think I used 001 uh, California Ale yeast. I don't know. Whatever it was, it was like a it was just a, a bastardization of a beer, and it came out. It was really fucking cool because it was like eight and a half nine percent. Okay. Uh, had it on draft here at the house, so you know, nice. I was getting some work done. It was great. <laughs> but what was wild is if I like if I poured it, it tasted you know, fresh off the tap. It was great. But if I let it sit for maybe thirty forty five minutes in a pint glass, it would be this little like. I don't know, maybe uh, an eighth of an inch of just clear liquid on the top of the glass, on the top, on top of the liquid. Was it was it oil from the hops? No, I'm pretty sure it was ethanol. <laughs> like it was just no, pure no way, fucking man. alcohol. <laughs> it was <laughs> wild because when you taste it, you're like, oh my god, it tastes like burning. Holy shit, Whoa. this is not Whoa. good. Uh, which is it's wild. Uh, I, I don't know if you've gone through many uh, like wine sensory panels. Um. But I went through one done by a sommelier here in Texas, and you know you can tell the alcohol content of wine based on the like the how clear it is toward the edge of the uh, like if you tilt the wine in its glass on its side and you put like something the, the teardrop sort of thing uh, yeah you, you, you yeah. can see the legs like that but if you actually That's keep it legs. still and turn the glass sideways and then put like uh, a white substance or a white paper or even your hand behind the wine and you can see like a little half moon shape red. And then you see like a meniscus over the top of it. That's clear. And that's like the width of that meniscus. It will tell you how much alcohol is in, in the liquid. 
And it's wild. Uh, you can do the same thing with beer. You just have to get the carbonation out of the way. So, oh, okay. So you'd have to decarb it. Or just, you know, kind of swirl around the glass, get the head uh, to reduce. And then even then, you can still see color and clear, um, especially on high alcohol beers. Or what we learned in doing our sensory panels for beer is you can also tell it in poorly made beers. So uh, beers that come off seeming a little hot yeah. or seeming like very, very alcoholy. <laughs> Uh, will have a, a a much more clearly defined uh, like line, like you know, moon shape on the edge of the glass. Oh. It's kind of wild, man. Uh, I didn't know that. I've I've been through a I, through like s- some training on wine. So yeah, it's it's one of those deals where like if you're really trying to decide the difference between a fucking merlot and a an old zinfandel, old vine zinfandel or something, like I guess right. that that's gonna come in handy. I fucking, I, not me. I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my experience is it's more of in like the academic setting. So it wasn't a small, yeah, it was more of like wine production sort of thing. Yeah. These are different wines. So that's, that's kind of cool though. That's, that's, um, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it properly, but when you, st- when you see it the first couple of times, you're like, Oh shit, I guess this is true. Uh, and you can, like barrel aged beers, pretty clear. You can you can fairly fairly clearly see. The you, you line. can notice it. Yeah. Swirl and then like yeah, because get a those white paper. Yep, because those beers are usually less carbonated, so it's easier to uh, to get the bubbles out of the way for those. Because we we when I was doing it with wine, we did the white paper thing, but it was just to look at the color of the wine. Yeah, but they they didn't tell us about the the ethanol content. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dropping some knowledge on you, Derek. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. Like that. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, it's been fun. Do you have anything you'd like to uh, you like to plug uh, before we head out for the evening? Uh, no, nothing. I'd like to plug. Just nothing. Nothing. nothing uh, special. Yeah. Nothing special. Just, just. Uh, yeah, it's been fun, and um, yeah, hopefully, I can do this like once a week or so with you guys. Uh, yeah, no, dude, it's, I, I, I do. So I got asked today at the, at the little beer Instagram meetup that we had at Manhattan, Manhattan project. Like, Oh, uh, so what got you, why did you start doing a podcast? And the way it was asked didn't sound nearly as aggressive as the way I'm recapping it. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck did you start a podcast? Like, that's not the way it came out, but uh, I saw the SNL skit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why did you start a podcast, bro? Um, I feel like I needed a voice. Now I was like, uh, I told him, I was like, honestly, I just it, it, hopping on this podcast is, uh, it's like bellying up to a bar with some buddies and having a pint at the end of the day and just chatting, man. It's almost like therapy. Cause I, we, we all, you know, grew up, grew up. We were all in college together at a very form- right. formidable time in our lives. <laughs> And like some of my best memories are hanging out with you guys, and it's good to uh, not relive it, but just kind of uh, re- recalibrate, you know, check in with you all and see see what's going on in, in your day to day, and and just fucking chat, man. Honestly, it's uh, it's wild the beer memories that I have with the group of people who are on this podcast with me. Uh, there's a beer by New Belgium called Dayblazer, and the moment that I had it. It, like it took me back to sitting on in G unit 
uh, in the apartment that you and our buddy Mike and I stayed in uh, our senior year of college. And it, it was like, it, it immediately took me back to sitting out outside the door on that little landing at the right. top of the stairs in some uh, bank teller chairs that my aunt gave me. <laughs> we were just like, we just had them sitting outside our door like weirdos. Uh, but we were just sitting out there like, it was like after class one day, we're all just out drinking beers. I'm like, this is fucking great. And as soon as I tasted Dayblazer, like a dick, almost a decade later. Uh, it like it, brought you back to the, those it moments? Immediately brought me back to those moments where Mike's got a weird-ass cigar hanging out of his mouth. And he's <laughs> talking to us. I think there's us. a picture from that. There is. There's actually a video of him trying to talk like Popeye with a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's wild that uh, beer, for me at least, has that weird like uh, time capsule in it uh, with flavors and like it just locks me into where I was when I first had this. And uh, I know too, that was like our first foray into craft beer. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I remember the, um, the craft beer six pack wall that you created over the years (laughs) at G unit. You had like an entire wall of the kitchen had like cut up six packs on it. Uh, And I don't think it's, it's much like my bottle cap collection now. There's like there's no repeats. <laughs> like there's every variety of lining kugels that we had in the market, thanks to Andy. And yeah, uh Berry Vice. And that's you're welcome. You're welcome for Berry Vice. I'd go donate plasma and buy a case of that shit. Love that. Love that. Uh but then there was like it, it was just it's it's wild how uh like every time I taste old Rasputin, I go right back to our buddy uh Justin and uh, his like 21st birthday, he went to the barn on sixth street in Stillwater. You remember the barn? Yeah. Wasn't that the, the, um, the drive through liquor store. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So sketchy. Like there's no reason you need a fucking drive through liquor store. Uh, he went in there and the old man behind the counter was, Justin was like, "Uh, I just turned 21 today. And I want to try good beer. And the old man was like, well, this is the best beer we got in the store. And hand him a four-pack of Old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout. (laughs) (laughs) Justin came home. He tried one. I was like, nope, not for me. I fucking hate this beer. And he uh, brought the other three to me. And he goes, happy birthday, Brian. I was like, it's not my birthday. He's like, yeah, but it's mine. So I want to give these to you. And I want to watch you drink them. And I drank the first one. I was like, this is fucking foul. This is God awful. Why is anybody drinking this? And then I drank the second one. I was like, this is pretty fucking good. I, I'm liking this. This is yeah, where I'm a, I, I'm a fan of old Rasputin. Oh, now I am a very big fan of old Rasputin. I fucking love that beer. Um, and Derek, I found one better than old Rasputin. Honestly, it's, it sound it's tough. I mean, you know, I, I'm a, like big, a, fair, a better Imperial style. Yeah. There's, there's two of them. Uh, okay. I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Narwhal oh, yeah, from yeah. Sierra Nevada. It's fantastic. But I found one's even better than that. It's called Expedition Stout from Bells. Dude. Huh. Dude. That shit is... It is everything that you want from a stout. No adjuncts, all malt. It'll fucking put you on your ass. But it's not like 13%. It's only like 10.5% alcohol. Oh, okay. Just just a paltry ten and a half percent. Yeah, just a, th- a thin, <laughs> a thin ten and a half percent. I'll have to I'll have to be look for it. I don't know if they they. I don't I don't know here. if Bell's gets out there, but 
dude, it is, it's fucking special. I love that. I love that shit. One day I'm going to have to tell you about my uh, adventures in Kalamazoo when I went up there. It was was a fucking trip. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, I'm going to go ahead and play this outro as I, uh, as I tell the peeps where to find us as always. uh, Thank you very much for joining us here on uh, this cast. Uh, Be sure that you tell friends, family, coworkers, random people you find on the street uh, that No Beer Left Behind is the podcast they need to check out. You and I both know that this is the podcast to listen to, so why not tell somebody else, you know? And uh, also be sure to check out our social media accounts over at No Beer Left Cast on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, if you want some beer wrecks, go ahead and slide into them Instagram DMs and uh, holla at your boy Brian. And I'll be glad to help you out like I did with our boy uh, Joshua Bourbon up in Brooklyn. Um, he helped me out with, uh, or I helped him out with some, with some good uh, local, local dark beers, and uh, he helped me find Old Overholt, the uh, rye whiskey that Frank and I discussed on the last cast. So, yeah, you know, that's the kind of shit that we do here at Nowhere Left Behind. I, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. You know, I help you, I get a little something to wet my beak. You know what I mean, guys? So uh, be sure to check us out over there. Um, drop us a line if you have any questions. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes or wherever else you can review podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. All right. Um, for Brian here in North Texas, uh, I'm out. Derek? Deuces. I'm out. All right. Till next time, we'll talk to you all later. Bye.